The Right to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download their top-rated app and use promo code RTRS when you sign up. Big Barker, therapeutic dog beds. Get yours at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. And SeatGeek, that's right, they're back. SeatGeek, download the app and use code RTRS. And finally, Stateside Vodka, the official sponsor of the Corner 3 newsletter, statesidevodka.com. On the show today... Joel Embiid wishes Michael Rubin a happy birthday, but does not wish Ben Simmons a happy birthday. Speaking of which, Ben Simmons spends his birthday in the lab getting massage. Giannis wins a title. So does Drew Holiday. Does Drew Holiday count as a process title? And Sixers Adam gives us options for the Al Horford trade exception that the Sixers have. Oh, and in the mailbag, Chip returns. I don't know if you remember Chip, the emailer sends super crazy emails once every eight months. It's it's a it's a doozy. Before we get going, there's a new Carl Landry Record Club podcast with me and Mootlu. By the way, congratulations to Mootlu who returned to the road and is now doing concerts again. The new Carl Landry Record Club pod features albums from Sam Fender and Failure. And this podcast is being done live on YouTube and Twitch and Twitter. If you leave us a question Maybe if there's good ones, CJ will get to them later. But CJ and I have already talked only if they're good ones because there's a good mailbag. Without any further ado, Amos and the chef. Larry, sweetie, the man is Welcome to the Rights Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who has spent the afternoon celebrating the Pelicans, hiring former Sixer Willie Green to be their coach, Mike Levin. I am happy for Willie. I genuinely yeah. am. Um, he was on the Sixers for 75 years, and I think wore out his welcome, not, not because he was at anything that he did. I think it was really just he was indicative of the uselessness of the franchise at the time. Yeah, uh, in some ways, not that the Sixers are useless now, but he was the guy to boo, like Danny Green or Covington. It's like everybody got mad at Willie Green. Yeah, just it wasn't like Willie Green's in fault. the mid two thousands, late to, late two thousands, just such an aimless franchise. But was it made himself into an NBA player as a second round pick, and has presumably been a great assistant for a number of years. Good for him going to New Orleans. I'm I I I regret. Previously disliking Willie Green, I saw him at a Cheesecake Factory one time, and he seemed to be having a lovely time. Um, not nothing against Willie Green. All past insults rescinded. Go get a go go coach Zion. I thought this was going to be a story where you approached Willie Green or something, and I I thought no. to myself, you don't even like approaching 
players at summer league when you have a pass and you shit talk Willie Green and a cheesecake factory, but no, no, I didn't shit. I didn't shit. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 I don't approach. I I approached Lynn Greer at a Sixers game when I was eleven or something, mm-hmm. and I was so nervous. And that's the last I've I've you know I talked to players at summer league, but that's but not this year, sadly. Not going to summer league. It bounds me out. Yeah, we got to send Sixers Adam a recording yeah. device or something, yeah. and then he can. You know, we'll tack it on at the end of the pod. So the big news this week tonight would have been game seven, but there is no game seven because the Bucks win the title in six games. Giannis scores 50 wins finals MVP. By the way, I gave you that bet in one of our DraftKings ads at some point. I said that the odds looked out of whack. So anyone who's listening, that was my one good bet for the last two years. Truly a LeBron-esque in the mountain climbing of, or even Jordan did the sad to do the same thing with the Pistons. LeBron had to do the same thing with the Celtics. And even though it wasn't one particular team that Giannis had to conquer, it is cool to see a player, not only with the team that drafted him, but like go through the trials and tribulations or whatever and get doubted by me uh, specifically, you know, and it just in in the conversation here and and just get there and alter his game and work hard. And man, his post-game quotes were just fucking awesome. Like even all throughout the playoffs, he seemed to say the right things. And even it, it seemed like he might not even play the rest of the playoffs when he hurt his knee. So it's just a, a, like a really cool, I think everybody at once for the the first time in a long time in sports, watched the Giannis story this year, and everybody at the end of it was like, "Hey, you know what? Good for that guy." Yeah, I you don't, know? I don't disagree with any of that. I thought he was. I've certainly said uh, criticisms of him before, even earlier in this playoffs, when it just looked like how much is he just sort of driving into people and using his length, and it was obviously impressive. But like, there wasn't, you know, there was the viral tweet that he doesn't have a bag and he kind of doesn't but he just works really hard like the max he just leaves it all out on the court all the time and to be that big and long and fast and physical and strong and try as fucking hard as he does that's like that's an incredible skill those are a combination of incredible skills and i especially uh, poo-pooed the idea of him being a, an all-defensive player because I, I didn't think this year that he was. I just think that he mostly took it easy on the defensive end, let Brooke Lopez uh, protect the rim, let Drew and sometimes Middleton cover and DiVincenzo cover better defensive players, and he kind of just gets to hang out on, like, or better offensive players, gets to hang out on, like, P.J. Washington or whatever, um, But which I still agree with. But in, in the playoffs, he was incredible defensively. And... Um, what you just couldn't go at him. You re, you couldn't go at him at all. And then as good as Drew was on the court to have Giannis there as well. And for Brooke to not get played off the court as a sort of lumbering big man, um, just a number of guys that you just couldn't do anything with. And with Phoenix, man, like Milwaukee just made it hard on them all the time. After mm-hmm. those first couple of games, everything was just so difficult. It was suffocating. It was, you know, reminiscent of those, of those, uh, the Toronto Sixers series where the, like, they just couldn't breathe and then just Milwaukee just was better. And I thought, I thought Phoenix was a better team at the beginning of the series. Um, and then Milwaukee just strangled him. And it was, uh, it was really, really impressive. The thing that like, when you can play, you know, sometimes three of Giannis, PJ Tucker, 
Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis on the court at the same time, and you're not getting exposed on either end for not having enough quickness, enough, yeah. you know, ball handling in that bunch, you can still like hang out and, and not only hang in, but like advance the lead in that, in those situations. And so that's an indictment of Phoenix, not having enough guys who can do stuff, but also just like how hard those guys are playing, how together those guys played. It just made me think, and we can talk, we can get to the, how this relates to the Sixers, but like, it made me think of how often previous Sixers teams have played big guys on the court at the same time. And you felt like, well, they can't, they're not able to generate enough offense that way, or they're not able to like cover quick guards enough in that way. And it just like everything Milwaukee was doing was, um, was was working even when the shots weren't falling they just like it it just they made it everything was making it hard on them and it just looked way easier from walking to do their thing than phoenix to do theirs well the key to being bigger than the other team is using the size not just being bigger and yeah. those guys it's a i know it sounds takey right it's a, a mentality thing like there's an incredible difference between the way and bobby portis who I've, I mean, who hasn't shit on Bobby Portis at this point, but like uh, the way that Giannis continues to just relentlessly yep. go and, and PJ Tucker, obviously, yep. and Portis True. as well, that yet that's, that's, I, I, I remember saying it early last, last season, you know, when everybody was talking about the Sixers being bullies or whatever, like the, there's not, it's not a team of bullies. It's a team of big, big guys, you know, yeah. they're, they're, they're large, but Milwaukee just to your point, just fucking relentless and playing yeah. defense relentlessly. And there was, there was like, there was a lot of criticism, uh, maybe not a lot, but some criticism of Booker and just his, in a, when he was scoring, he scored 40 in two games in a row and people criticizing him for not creating for other players. They, they almost made it impossible. It just seemed like that was the only thing that they could do to score points was give the ball to Booker and let him score. You know? Yeah, I don't. To me, that wasn't a criticism of Booker so much as it is like Milwaukee's defense executing the plan they want to. And like yeah. Devin Booker's obviously an incredible scorer, and had a I think a relatively great series and actually an incredible playoffs. Obviously, but when you have Drew and PJ Tucker on you all the time, it just it just wears you out. And the benefit you have of those guys is that you can stay home on their shooters. And so if you stay home on Jay Crowder, you stay home on Cam Johnson, you stay home on Mikhail Bridges. And then you go like, okay, like go play one-on-one and you're going to make some shots. And he did. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, it doesn't generate great offense. Um, And I think Milwaukee did what, what they did, which was play the percentages. And the odds are if we force Devin Booker into a bunch of mid-range shots, he'll make some, but he won't get to the line a ton. He's not going to use involve his teammates to get open threes and, and easy offensive rebounds and stuff. And he'll they're only worth two points. And it's going to take and it's going to take a physical toll on him. And in some games, some games he dropped 40, some games like the last one, he was 0 for 7 on threes. Like it was just a uh, tired. It, he got tired and, and it's not an in it this is not a like the Suns played great. Like that that was an incredible team. I think there's a chance they are better the next year, although who knows with how old Chris Paul is and how many guys they need to like actually take leaps forward to uh, make up for whatever Chris Paul loses in as just he continues to age. But 
it was an incredible playoff run and they should feel good about themselves. But man, I feel I, I'm happy for Milwaukee. I'm happy for Giannis. I'm happy for all those guys. Um, I'm happy for Frank Madden, former, uh, or I guess, I don't know if he does anymore, but brew hoop guy, my friend who's been on this podcast, uh, long suffering bucks fans. Like it's, it's just cool. It's cool. When I was happy for Toronto when they run one, even though I felt very upset about it because of what happened with us. Uh, I was happy for Cleveland when they won. Like it's fun to see teams that haven't won it in a while uh, get to taste it, and, and it's like uh, obviously the Eagles and Phillies won in the last ten, fifteen years. But it's hard to the Sixers doing it would feel different because of just how close we are to it. And I I don't know what it's going to feel like, but I I I don't know. Happy, nice. <laughs> I don't know. happy for uh, Dustin Godsey. Dustin works for the Bucks. He's from Philly, and he was the one that was trying to get Malcolm Brogdon to come out and say hi to us with the Rookie of the Year trophy. And I think he was close. Brogdon wasn't wasn't hurt, so uh, happy for him as well. Uh, the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by Seat Geek. Boy, it's time for Seat Geek again. So, true story. Uh, I actually used. See, well, I eventually use SeatGeek. So Limp Biscuit is playing Irving Plaza, and it's the day after I move to Jersey, and it's in, in New York. And I thought to myself, I want to go. And you Google where to get tickets, and every ticket website, like even the ones where you buy them originally from, seem like it's made to make things more difficult than it should be. And then I remember SeatGeek. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. I went to the SeatGeek app. And I got Limp Bizkit tickets that way. It makes everything easy because it it like codes the deals, whether they're good ones or bad ones. So you don't even need to be able to read numbers. A green dot is good deals. Red dot means it's too expensive. So I was able to get my Limp Bizkit tickets for Irving Plaza at just for, the right price. For people whose number reading comprehension is too limited, yes. we yeah. have colors yes. for you. Colors. Yeah. The, if you look at the app store, over 50,000 five-star reviews for SeatGeek, they get, and, and when you're buying from SeatGeek, what they do is they get the deals from all over, from every other site. They take them, they put them in one spot, they rate it from one to 10, but they also use the colors. It's like kayak, you know, they, 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 they get the deals from everywhere else. We are trying to hook you up because you can buy tickets to stuff again. Use code RTRS when you sign up for SeatGeek and you'll get $20 off your first purchase. That's right. Go to SeatGeek, use code RTRS, $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek. Go to SeatGeek.com or download the SeatGeek app in the App Store or Google Play. Again, code RTRS off your first SeatGeek or no, RTRS for $20 off your first SeatGeek or SeatGeek. Okay. Before... We were gonna, you were going to talk about how the Bucks thing relates to the Sixers. Just a a quick question. AU wrote a whole thing about how Drew Holiday winning a title is the first true process championship. Now, of course, we know Drew Holiday was the thing that kicked off the process, that trade. Do you consider Drew Holiday a process Sixer? Um, Sure. Like, yeah. I think you, because of how big of a role he played. Like, obviously that... At the time, that was the right trade, but obviously Drew has turned out to be a far better player than Dario and Nerlens. Um, so I would uh, the, not not like as far as the trade that kicked off the process. One they had to make, I think that that allowed them to be worse and rebuild and and do what they needed to do there. Um, 
but not like a sterling trade um, results-wise um, because Drewby turned into this excellent two-way player um, and now an NBA champion. Like it's, it's, I, feel, I feel very happy for him. And I feel happy that Milwaukee like went for it and did trade overpaid value-wise to go get mm-hmm. Drew, but that it worked out. I think that's cool. I think that's, that is when you're that close and Milwaukee was, you should do whatever it takes to get as close as you can. And if this, this gave them the like 2%, 3% better of a chance, if we're, if we're using like the, the Daryl percentages of it not being that high, then it's like, then you do it. And, and you say like 2027 can kick my, can kiss my ass. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, well, and to your point about like the trade, yeah, those two players, but they, then they wouldn't be as bad, and they wouldn't get the players. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. of course. Yeah. Just just straight up looking at that trade, devoid of context, then I think you say like, yeah, I'd rather have, I'd rather have Drew than those guys. Um, I to be honest, I don't I don't relate this back to the Sixers much at all. Aside from, boy, I hope. Embiid watches and says, you know what? I'm not going to like give up. Like you just got to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing because it, it wasn't even like Giannis. Giannis as a player got better and better and better and better, but it wasn't like their success was linear and got bigger and bigger, bigger every year. You know, like they, it, it, they just kind of stalled in the same place. And and actually, they had a worse regular season record this year. They tried a lot of things in the regular season. I don't know. I just I hope that Embiid watches it and says, well, you know what? Got to push through. He's, a, what, two years older than Giannis or a year and a half older than Giannis. Um, that, that was all I took it from it, Sixers-wise, honestly. I think, I think that the... Um... It is it is really easy to overreact to any anything any f- failure in the playoffs and so in the or success in the playoffs so in the in the Sixers Raptors series which I've already talked about on this podcast and have probably talked about on every podcast uh, since it happened um, there was obviously the quote from the Raptors where they said that that was the toughest test they're so big we were suffocating Danny Green talked about it now a Sixer obviously um, and then the Sixers were like. We heard that and we went so far in that direction. We like kept going where it's like someone said like, oh, I like I like that like neon hat. And yeah. then we're like, I'm making my whole personality neon. Neon is everything. I'm going so neon. And it's like, okay, so that didn't work. Bringing in Horford and, and Josh Richardson. And then I was like, okay, now we got to go uh, smaller, but still focused on defense. And then this, this last playoffs was like, all right, yeah, Ben is great at defense, and Beat is great at defense, and Matisse is great at defense, but like, whatever. It doesn't matter if you can't score enough. And then we saw, at least in game six, uh, although they were great the whole series, or most of the series, like how important suffocating defense is. Watching Drew like terrorize those guys and, and be physical, but also long and poke the ball out, watch PJ make it hard. Um, Giannis block a ton of shots, Lopez verticality at the rim and, and really still continuously impressed by Brooke Lopez, not getting played off the floor, um, when he's that big and lumbering and, you know, pretty old. Um, so I think, I just think it's always everything like as a championship team, you have to be good at everything. And if you have one glaring, huge weakness, you're not going to win, but you need to be good at at least some parts of everything. Like Milwaukee had enough creation with Drew and Giannis and, and Middleton. And even if it wasn't like 
the best all the time. They just made things happen. And Giannis's effort, like kind of filled in the blanks and, uh, and, and plenty of shooting, even though they didn't shoot well in the, in the playoffs, in the, in the finals. So I just think like people, you know, the Sixers overcorrected to defense with like size and length. And then now it's like, well, we don't need defense. We should just get a bunch of little guys to like run around and dribble. And it's like, I just think you need to have all of it. And we're, and we as a fan base, a, a, a manic and insane fan base uh, and a very wounded fan base that I don't blame us for myself included, but like we have risk of, of overcorrecting, overreacting and saying like, ah, that actually doesn't matter when it does for the, for the bucks, they won because of defense. And also like how much did Seth Curry get like exposed again and again, defensively. And they had to keep playing him because his offense was carrying them. That's an indictment that they had to keep playing him despite it. But um it's just we can't we can't forget about defense. Yeah, they they won because of defense and they won because of offense. It's everything. Like they 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 you know they, in game five, Drew Holiday was awesome offensively and Chris Mid- like the number. Think about the number that there's no way the Bucks win the championship if Chris Middleton doesn't explode like four separate times in the playoffs. You know, like they they won two game they won a a closeout game without Giannis. Like, yep. the, you know what I mean? Like they won the. They just want to close that game with Adam Bede against Washington in the first round. <laughs> not, not the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just it's it's everything. I I don't the and, and the other thing that you know I I hope everyone took from the playoffs is that everybody that everybody's defense is better in the playoffs you know like they needed another gear i don't know if the sixers had another defensive gear or they they didn't look like they did the bucks did you know uh and it more than ever man that just the the difference between the way the game look, looks in the regular season and the game the way the game looks in the playoffs is just like it just didn't look like the same game. Maybe this year more than any because so many teams mailed in the regular season, but it just seemed like a completely different game in the playoffs. Yeah, it was an, it was an awesome finals. I think I not to give the Sixers too much credit, although I, I think I frequently do, but like I think yeah. Trey Young was the, the worst possible matchup for them as a team. And, and they couldn't not score. Able to... That was the problem. Like the Sixers, it wasn't even their defense. It's yeah, like, no, for sure. Could, and yeah. Atlanta was not a good defensive team, and so they should yeah. have done a better job of that. But I do think, like, because of his ability to shoot from outside and also attacking a pick and roll, and yeah, you're right that they didn't score. That was really the problem. The defense was not was not the issue. Although Doc playing Danny in on Trey in the first game was a, yeah. was a major issue, and then. Yeah, the Sixers just didn't have like the Bucks adjusted, um, and still dominated in the way that they can dominate in the areas, whether it's like offensive rebounding or still finding a way to get out in transition, um, or just putting too many guys out there. That like Phoenix, I think Phoenix started to get a little jittery. I thought I was impressed by Aiden over the course of the playoffs, but I, I he's not a guy that you can just dump the ball into and get a bucket. One time he spun the opposite way when he had like a layup on the left side, he spun, took a, took a tough hook shot over. I think it was either Giannis or Lopez. Um, and Milwaukee just like moved better. I think like there was a time when drew drew dribbled baseline, got in trouble, but like Lopez cut down from the three point line and had, and had a dunk out of it. And it just seems like those kinds of things just don't, didn't seem to happen for the Sixers and the offense just like slowed down and they had never found a way to play themselves out of it. It was just always like 
it was like the Sixers were the Sixers offense was it was frequently in that Hawk series stuck in okay there's 90 seconds left in the game and we just don't want to turn the ball over and it was just like we have to give the ball to them and just like stand there and like hope it's okay that's like the crunch the crunchiest time offense that I could see and, and which is like bad offense and not creative and not um not no movement no fluidity and uh and even though the, both of those offenses stalled at times in the playoffs I'm talking about Phoenix and Milwaukee the, they had other gears to hit and the Sixers yeah. just like they had one song and they kept playing the same song over and over again and they're, they're and just like stopped working and they just like didn't know how to do anything and it's really it sucked a happy birthday to one ben simmons who turned 25 years old he says on instagram reflecting back i've experienced some amazing highs and with that some of the lowest lows life's a journey i'll always remain relentless and remain human through it all here's to my 25 year quote or hashtag relentless pursuit doing what I love on my B day. I'm blessed. Uh, he posted <laughs> Chris Johnson posted a, a story of him saying like that he was grinding on his birthday. And it's just the picture itself is funny because he was laying, getting massage, holding his cell phone. It's pretty good. <laughs> it was great. That is, um, a, that is for, for Ben though. That is like a, that is like a vulnerable statement. That's like as vulnerable. As yes. Gets. Yes. Um, the, the irony being, he said he'll always stay human and he's, he never, he never appears that way. He never know? reveals like, that much of himself. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 For sure. So do you find any meaning in the fact that Joel Embiid publicly wished Michael Rubin a happy birthday, Sixers minority owner, Michael Rubin a happy birthday, but not one Ben Simmons? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't expecting Yeah. I mean, I just, yes. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. It's not great. I, but <laughs> if they don't trade him, it's certainly not great. I mean, fuck Michael <laughs> Rubin. Like, just, I don't know why Embiid likes him, whatever. Who cares? Well, he's, he's look, I, I will say Michael Rubin, like, Michael Rubin was also behind turning the Sixers ownership around on the, the paying the, the people stuff. Like, he does okay. good things. I, Look, there's a lot of there's there's yes. Michael Rubin is like millennial Scott O'Neill. Yes. Like. No, 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 no. I, I, I understand. <laughs> I understand the, the comp you're trying to make. I don't think millennial Scott O'Neill is the right one, but I, I get I it. Know. But it's he awful. seems like an okay guy. He does. He seems like a good guy. Awfully cozy. Awfully yeah. cozy with Embiid. Just like always finding various water slides to like send him down. Like what is what do you do? You just like go on vacation. That's the job, and be vaguely rich. I don't know. I don't give a shit. Um, it's not great. It's not yes. great. But yeah. So whatever. I don't know. They. Yeah. I hope if if I don't want to do another season of like Joel no. Ben reading no. the tea leaves and figuring no. out who likes who and stuff. We had there was such a nice vibe last season until there wasn't um and i just don't want to go back to it i'd rather just like turn the page and and move it along yeah but i'm i'm with you uh the rights to ricky sanchez podcast brought to you by big barker 
dog beds, big Barker therapeutic dog beds. Once again, and for the next few weeks, I'll be doing one of the pods from a hotel without my dog, which is a true bummer because my dog rebel is, uh, is incredibly important to me. You all, you know, I love my dog. You love your dog. You adopt a dog to give that dog the best life possible. You cannot give your dog the best life possible without a big barker, without a real dog bed, without the only real dog bed on the market. Most dog beds, they're called dog beds, they're really pieces of shit. They don't support your dog's joints and they make, as your dog gets older, your dog's life is gonna be worse because it's not gonna sleep on that supportive big barker mattress. Bigbarker.com slash Ricky. Bigbarker.com slash Ricky is where you go. You get the big barker dog bed with the processed pup patches. You might say, Spike, you're making this shit up. It's supportive. How does it, How do I know that it really affects the dog's joints? Well, how about University of Pennsylvania? Because PennVet did a study and proved all of this stuff. Improvement in joint function, reduction in pain severity, reduction in joint stiffness, improvement in gait, all of those things. No matter the size of your dog, no matter the age of your dog, they need to be sleeping on a good bed. And I say again, you only get the dog to give that dog the best life, and you can't give that dog the best life without a big barker. A 10-year warranty, the foam doesn't flatten or they replace it for free. A one-year at-home trial. If you don't like it, if your dog doesn't like it, full refund. They'll even pay for the shipping. Handmade in the USA. Big barker dog beds. All right. What do we got next? Well, two, um, two things. Two things. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Let's start with while we're just finishing up the Bucks conversation. Oh yeah, I would think I haven't seen people like connect this aside, aside from just to continue dunk, dunking on Simmons, but there is a world where some team can add further convincing to themselves. I don't think it's going to make them go from like zero to a hundred on it, but like I think some team that is in on the Ben Simmons trade situation could go. Look at Giannis. Like, he didn't learn how to shoot much. Obviously, he had an incredible sh- game from the line. Like, incredible. Um, and good for him for, for doing it. He's always better at home, but, like, that that's a hell of a showing, a hell of a way to 17 shut, of 19 the door is pretty legit, yeah. And he, was seven, he missed the last one when the game was already over, so it was, it was really impressive. Did Ben um, make 17 free throws the entire playoffs? I think so, give or take. CJ, check that for me. Okay, continue. Sorry. But I think that you could – some team will nudge themselves up a little bit more – to to think that that Giannis' success is indicative of Ben could could be more successful, and they're just I, not to say that they're wrong in some sense. I don't, I'm not saying everybody knows how I feel about Ben, but yeah, uh, they're just not the same player. They're not the same player in any number of ways. Um, there's just a, a level of physicality that Giannis has always had to his game, and yeah. and speaking of relentlessness, um, and just like doing whatever it took physically around the rim to score the ball, to have like a level of touch um, that that Ben just doesn't have. And, and Giannis has shown not only that, but has shown in this, in these playoffs that he's willing to be a primary screener a lot of the time mm-hmm. um, and has had a lot of success just like chasing after the ball that way. Now, like Ben is obviously an incredible defender, I think, over over a full game, would I rather have been on defense to shut down one person? Probably, um, because I think he's better on the perimeter. But um, they're just they're just very different guys. So hopefully, yeah. some team convinces themselves that they could make it work with Ben in a way that the Sixers didn't. But um, I, I wouldn't, as myself, I wouldn't take this Giannis success to mean like oh Ben can 
Ben actually can be the guy without learning how to shoot a little bit more. They're, they're different in a lot of ways in a lot of physically, they're different mentality. They're different, but the one thing, the, the one thing that they're the same at is obviously the outside shooting, but yeah, like it eventually became that Giannis couldn't be the primary playmaker on the perimeter. Sure. And they did that for years. And, you know, he, he changed, but he has, he had the size and the, you know, the, the phys, the, the physique to change. I don't, I don't know if Ben can without that. So we'll see. And, and I would also argue that like Brooke Lopez as a role player at this point in his career, a good one, mm-hmm. but a role player and has, has shown his willingness to shoot deep threes has made that pairing a lot better, even with Giannis as a pick and roll guy, as a role man. And they, they work it together and Giannis and Chris work it together on different ends of it. Like there's plenty of, op- of options that they flip and use and stuff. But like Embiid's never going to be Brooke Lopez shooting threes. Like he's just, and you don't want him to be like that. You take him away from doing a lot of what he does. Yeah. Um, you want him to have a take a healthier number, but but also be able to dump it down into him and, and let him work in the post and get fouled and everything. Um, so anyway, and CJ told us on the comments here that yeah. Ben had twenty five made through free throws. Yeah. The other thing um, I did last night, and this is telling on myself. Um, I watched both uh, of the first two episodes in Matisse's vlog of oh. uh, Matisse doing Australia, and no. I think that I think that something about once the playoffs ended officially, I do think I do think that I'm I do think I care again, and I and I don't know what this is. It's not healthy for me. It's not something don't I'm watch the vlog. Proud of. I enjoyed it, and not only did I watch them, but I enjoyed it, and I found I found him charming, and I think he's a delight, oh. and I never want to trade him. I want to hug him forever. Uh, um, but the Sixers as a team are, uh, are, are a team I, I begrudgingly care about again. So, well, that, I guess, that's I guess good. Here we are watching vlogs is just a path. I, it's really a delight. He's, he is very talented. And if he, uh, if he's, if he continues to shoot as well as he did there and, and grow to his game, then he can vlog all he wants. Is, is Giannis, does he get the best player in the NBA crown right now? Oh yeah. I think, yeah. I yeah. think yes. Um, I mean, he's two-time MVP, Finals MVP, NBA champion. I think he's twenty-six. Yeah. Incredible. I think. I think. I'm happy to say that the NBA is in a really great position right now, where there's plenty of great teams in big and small markets, and medium markets, and and marketable superstars in a number of markets. Um, I think it's in a great spot. I think, but it's basketball in the sense of if Durant had less cork feet yeah. than Bud is fired. Giannis, there's be more talk maybe, although he's, he's really in, after the fact come out very strongly and like, I was always going to fucking stay here type of thing, but maybe talk of him, you know, trying to for, demand a trade at some point, if it's not, if it doesn't work out kind of thing. And it's just like, there is all like the results. It's easy to have the results and then look and go like, well, this is what happened. And here these are all guys are, but like, it's all so it's all so minute and so tiny. Like even Phoenix, like in that game, like Chris Paul throw or sorry Booker throws a a, a hit ahead pass to Cam Johnson over his outstretched fingers. That's a bucket that if had they gotten, then they maybe win that game. Like there's little things over the course of everything that like change the narrative so quickly, and then it becomes like crystallized in well, this is what it is, and Giannis is the best player. But they easily could have lost to Brooklyn. 
And the Phoenix could have easily won that game and then gone back to Phoenix and and won in seven. And then it would have been all about how Chris Paul like persevered and Devin Booker is like the next Kobe and all that stuff. And it's just like, these are really, really, there's a lot of really, really good NBA players and great teams. And everyone in that upper echelon of teams, I think there's like six to eight teams right now, who knows how the offseason goes, should be trying as hard as they possibly fucking can to get there right now and this isn't like i'm mr draft guy always have been and i love it but like if the sixers have to trade a couple picks and many swaps in the future to give themselves a little bit of a better percentage chance the drew holiday bump to have a better chance of competing in the playoffs deep in the playoffs then they should do it because this they're in that like six to eight group and Phoenix could have lost to the Lakers if they were healthy and they got to the finals. Milwaukee could have lost the second round. Like Sixers could like they need to get, I think they need to get better, obviously, but like they're close enough to where they need to go for it. They have to go for it. And we can't waste Embiid's prime. They're currently, I think, 18 to 1 or 16 to 1. The Nets opened up as title favorites at plus 225. CJ has shown up, which means he's at least found a couple of questions in the the live thing. The the live questions are brought to you by Stateside Urban Craft Vodka, home of the Stateside Vodka Soda in four flavors. They're amazing. Get yourself a party pack right now at statesidevodka.com. No artificial flavors, no added sugar, just fruit juice vodka and carbonated water. Um, statesidevodka.com. You got to be 21 to drink. CJ, what do you got, buddy? I, I actually popped in to uh, commend huh? Matisse because one, he edits oh, his, Jesus Christ. he edits his own videos, <laughs> and two, just a couple of producers, CJ and Matisse. Yeah, we're boys. He had to go back on his last video and blur out all the sponsors because the Olympics cracked down yeah. on him. Like yeah. all the Nike stuff that he had showing throughout his video, he had to go oh. back and blur it himself. I thought Should that was commendable. Practicing. Should be practicing. Now he's got plenty of time. He's nap. He's napping among all his free stuff. I agree. He didn't do a very good job of blurring it. Like you could very clearly see. It's like Nike with like one like yeah. sheer shade over it that you could just see right through. But I think uh, he did it on purpose. It's annoying. I've had to do similar things. Yeah. Blurring sponsors. Uh, that's like it, it's just. I, I commend him. He, he look no. He, DJ's no. giving his credit. Go for him. No, no, no. Not unless he wants to be a director, producer. This is CJ's whole job. You know, we like look. Everybody gets excited about like various wineries what, and coffee companies <laughs> and what if whatever I, honestly, the fuck. What if what if Spies the podcast emporium like it's Matisse should be able to have his vlog. He's very sweet. He tries very hard, and it wasn't his fault. And he's working on his shot. What if the vi- if our videos look like shit and then we found out, we were like, well, why was it? What was CJ doing? It's like, ah, he's shooting threes. Like, no, dude, the CJ should though. shoot. CJ, shoot as many threes as you want. Don't listen to this. <laughs> Thank you. So you don't have any questions live, right? I have one because okay, uh, Ted, Teddy in the chat asked, do you guys read comments? And I said, yeah. And then he asked or she asked, what is the chance Tyrese Maxey gets moved if you had to give me a number? And I'm going to twist this a little bit and say, if it's not including included in a Ben Simmons trade, would you move Tyrese Maxey? Um, if it's not included in a Simmons trade, there's a, I, so think, that, I would guess that would be like a Tobias trade is the, is the idea, or you'd, or you'd move them for someone with like, in conjunction with like a George Hill and a Danny, maybe Yeah, he's not making enough money to just trade him on his own. No, of course, but it would yeah, be like yeah. a, as a, as the prized young person in a deal that they could get someone 
better. I think there right is now. like a 58% chance he gets traded. Not in a Simmons trade. Is I, 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 I can't, like there's too many different trades. I, like, there's a 58% chance I'll get traded, I think. I think that um, if Ben doesn't get traded, then I would, then I don't think that you trade Maxi. I think that you hope he improves. I think you monitor his uh, jumper over the offseason and you just let, you just give him the ball and say go um, and let him be the point guard and, and, and f- you know, find a way to figure something out. I don't think I, I don't know. Ben wise, I'm not sure. But as far as Maxi goes, I don't think there's a reason to trade Maxi aside from being the valuable, uh, a valuable player in a, um, in a trade where you get someone, get a better point guard uh, right away. Go shoot threes, CJ. 58. That's your number, Teddy. Fuck out of here. Fuck out of here. Um, Sixers Adam wrote a thing. So when the the Sixers traded Al Horford, they received back a $8.2 million trade exception. How this works is even though they are over the cap, they can take someone into that $8.2 million in a trade. Yeah, but that person then has to do little claps every time they make a mistake. (laughs) Right, right. You got to have an annoying sister too. Um, The... It can't be combined with another player. Um, it has to be, I think it has to be, it can't, like you can't take the trade exception and use it as cap space in a trade. Like you can't uh, pair it with George Hill and make it $18 million. Um, they have until November 18th. So they have one calendar year to use it. Sixers Adam came up with three targets. I wanted to know what you thought of all three of them. Jermichael Green from Denver. DJ Augustine from the Rockets and Daniel House from the Rockets. Jermichael Green, I've always liked very much. Um, Undersized five, switchable, shoot a little bit. Um, I think he'd be totally fine. I would like Jermichael Green. Mm -hmm. Um, He would be really helpful as a backup five. Uh, DJ Augustine, no. No interest in DJ Augustine. Um, The Bucks, like, let him basically gave him away for nothing. He's old and small. I don't think he would be very helpful. And I think that you can just sign somebody at the minimum for the kind of stuff that he does. Um, Daniel House, I really I really like. I feel like I didn't see him this year. Oh, maybe because I, I didn't watch the Rockets because they were terrible. He was good in, in 20. I just I, I didn't see him play this year. Yeah, he. They, I was surprised that Milwaukee like gave him some money and then basically traded him almost right away. And yeah. got Jeff Teague to fill to fill that spot. Um, Daniel House, I, I really love. Um, I think he's awesome. The weird, I would, I want to find out whatever actually happened in the bubble with, with the, like, whoever slept with the he he's COVID like person. Yeah. He like snuck somebody in, right? But they blamed the there was really they blamed him, but it was really hardened and like Tyson Chandler also was involved. Oh, like I want to know what like, actually really it. happened. Um Dan Dan House is cool. Also went to Texas AM, which is which I find fun. I, there's a lot of like history of wings at Texas AM that I've always liked, including uh Chris Middleton, who uh just won a ring. Daniel House would be good. I I would I would definitely do it for either of those guys. I don't know what what Houston would require if they say, if, if we traded our first round pick for Daniel house, I would be like a little, meh. but, um, 
but he's definitely good and a, and a willing shooter and a willing defender, which I wouldn't mind. Before we get to the mailbag, which has a couple of real emails and then one from Chip, which is just fucking amazing, our presenting sponsor is DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, with the games in Tokyo going on right now, oh, what we have to call them. No, yeah. you can't. Can't the big it. games, the yeah. several several small games. But if you put them Game. together, if you like sort yeah. of zoom out really big, yeah. then, then there's a lot of stuff happening. And they're all very safe, I'm sure. Yep. The games in Tokyo, DraftKings has free-to-play pools every day of the games in Tokyo and a free shot at $5,000 in total cash prizes. That's up to $5,000 up for grabs, and it's free-to-play. These the free to play pools. That's why they're called free to play pools because they're free to play. Download the DraftKings app, go to pools and choose from a large swath of free contests for your opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a bunch of questions around what you think is going to happen on that day's events at the games in Tokyo and track the results through the evening to see if you win. Questions range from like medal count to specific questions about the USA team. I love DraftKings Sportsbook. It's the best app. Also, they they pay us, but 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 I I like them as well. It's a great app, an awesome app. Withdraw your money when you want, deposit money when you want, very quickly, very easily. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now. Use promo code RTRS when you sign up to get your free shot at up to five thousand dollars in total cash prizes every day of the gold medal games. Head to DraftKings pools page and get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code RTRS for a limited time, only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right. On to the mailbag. Um, How about this? This is from Steve. Love the show. Always found Brian Windhorst slightly annoying, but ever since Mike's rant, I find him absolutely insufferable. The ratio of his talking to insight or information is astronomical. Oh, he man. also has a very strong Eeyore vibe. Anyway, I enjoy a good rant and would appreciate a follow-up on Windhorse in honor of his last finals pod with Zach. Keep up the good work. Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> Zach, 50 points. Okay? Giannis, all right? It's, o- it's over. It's Well, that's what he did. And when I always say... I, winning a championship means never having to say you're sorry and being wrong about everything means never having to acknowledge it and whatever who cares that was that was good, that was a good one. yeah he, i'm sure he's a very nice guy he's he is I don't know. somebody's gotta get the the podcast voice is weird it's just, it is it is weird this comes from joe hey guys here's my list of free agents please tell me my fascination with malik monk is misguided his free agents that he's listed that he's interested in are Malik Monk, Javante Green, Jordan Bell, Semi Ojale, Kelly Olenek. Uh, I Malik Monk, I think, was number one on my big board, on my YouTube big board. I, I love Malik Monk. That I didn't a, realize that is, a, that is a bleak list of free agents. It really is. <laughs> Very it upsetting. Is. Um, well, and Kelly Olenek like, would be way, helpful. Not, 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 guys I, not guys I dislike. But uh, I mean, Malik Monk is. Interesting. I think that uh, pairing him with Maxi is interesting um, because uh, Malik is a, uh, a good shooter with some creation abilities as well for himself. Um, athletic, fun to root for. I think he um, really struggled his rookie year and even his second year, but came on pretty strong um, last season. 
especially towards the end of it, I think he got hurt a little bit, but uh, I was impressed by Malik. And I think that the best is yet to come from him. And so if they can get him on like a, on the low type of deal, and then he outplays that contract, that could be interesting. All they um, have is the taxpayer mid-level and, and minimums. So, yeah, yeah. I would love no, I think someone's probably going to give him more than that. Um, but I don't, I don't dislike Malik Monk. I think he's probably never going to be a league average defender. Um, and he has to shoot well enough. And he's not that big. So I don't think he's ever going to be like a stud. Although I was impressed by him last year. Um, but I would, I, I think he's, I think he'd like kind of a prototypical sixth man type. I think he could be very helpful in that, in that role. Non-basketball question. What is the most often misused word? For me, it is objectively. Thanks and thanks for reading and have a great day. Yeah, that's not that's not a bad one. Uh, do, you, do you have one? Well, the two I have one is when people say in a vacuum, they never. I know that's not one word, but it's always used the wrong way. And what's the one in podcast that I always hear? Fuck. Say yours, and then maybe I'll remember the podcast one. There's a bunch that I have. I can't think of. Any of the moment, I don't. I don't like when. Um, There's a fucking when people say like the Dimian Lillards of the world. Oh yeah, as if there's like several of them. I think mm-hmm. that's not something I enjoy. Fuck. There's other ones, but I can't think of any. I'm gonna remember the podcast one, and I'll say it on the. It, you know, God bless him, and I love him. Chris Ryan says the word all the time. It's only podcasters say it. Fuck. Somebody at home is saying this. Maybe somebody will say it in the chat. Anyway, um, this comes from David. Basketball question. Uh, Well, actually, longtime listener, first time question asker, grew up in Philly suburbs, transplanted to New York City after college. Not part of that cool New York process truster group, but part of me sort of wishes I was. Thanks for (laughs) thanks for everything you guys do. Been listening so long. I'm not really sure when I started. Have pitched it to many friends. I don't know. I don't know when I'm with you. Um, I pitched it to many friends. Some of them love it. You guys definitely have a type. Basketball question. Who do you personally blame the most for the Sixers not winning the championship this year? That's difficult. Mm -hmm. The easy answer is anyone with the last name Colangelo, but I think that's probably the wrong answer. For this year, it's it's not one person. It's like a it is a full governmental failure of this team. Like they didn't surround various people with the right kinds of people. Some people didn't improve or didn't perform well in the in that series. Doc didn't do an, a good enough job at adjusting from there or coming in with a game plan. He got out coached by Nate McMillan. Um, Simmons obviously. Tobias dropped the ball. Dwight Howard shouldn't have been in the position he was in to lose them a series when the same exact thing happened when it was Greg Monroe and Boban um, and Amir Johnson. So it's 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 all of them. But I mean, let's the 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 Embiid was good, but he wasn't excellent, and it, maybe he just needs to be like extremely excellent all the time. The person to blame is Josh Harris. And because the biggest problem is the leadership 
of the team changes too much and no one ever has a chance to do anything. And he changes who makes basketball decisions every two years and let the league bully him out of firing Hinky. And it, it's his fault. If I was to blame one person, I would blame Josh Harris. Wouldn't, wouldn't you fire Doc right now, though? Would I fire Doc? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I trust, like, like, I don't think it matters enough to fire him. I it, Like, whatever Maury thinks, I would be fine with, you know? Like, I don't, I don't know enough about behind the scenes to fire him. I, like, I don't think he cost... If the Sixers were good enough, he wouldn't have cost them. They, they weren't, like... I think you could make the excuse the last couple of years that Bud got in the way of them winning a championship. Like, I don't think Doc Rivers got in the way of the Sixers winning a championship this year. Oh, I disagree. I think, I mean, not he's not the only person that got in the way, but I do think that he was certainly one of the people that did. Um, one of the people, but I, I don't think, uh, if it wasn't for Doc, for personally. I think it certainly could have done a better job. I think the, uh, if, you're, if, if, you, if you honestly think it's Josh Harris for that reason, then I think you should feel good about the team because they have a guy that they will keep for a number of years who wow. we both like and trust Maybe. Um, and a guy to build around an Embiid. So I, I, if that's how you feel, I think that, I think that's a generally positive view of things going forward. Josh Harris still owns a team. He's not going to get rid of more in like a year and a half. That's not, I don't think it's going to happen. We end with a very special email from our friend Chip Mitchell. If you're a regular listener, you've heard uh, Chip's emails before. They don't come frequently, but when they, they arrive, they really arrive. Do you, if you'll remember, the last time he emailed was when we were talking about bathroom habits, and he emailed about two of his coworkers following him into the bathroom to laugh at him for not being able to urinate while other people were in the bathroom with him. That's right. Chip writes, Dear Spike and Mike, with the basketball season now safely behind us, it is time once again to turn to the subject of human urination. Kindly recall that a few months ago, I wrote Seeking Help with my stage fright, brought about by my coworkers Krakow and Bigelow, who would follow me into the men's room to issue insults and jeers. You would think that HQ might wonder whether wonder whether two employees who spend all their time keeping track of another employee's bathroom habits are really helping the company blossom and conquer, but all 11 of my emails went, went unanswered. Surprising, because finding new reasons to sack people is what HQ seems to enjoy most. Perhaps they feel they have better things to do other than to discuss the urination practices of strangers. So that's why I'm lucky to have you, sirs. Last time, one of you suggested I try picturing an overflowing cup of Mountain Dew as a way to break the spell. That was my suggestion. A wonderful idea that came very close to working one magical Thursday afternoon. Though it did not work, it got me thinking. Now, you should know that Bigelow wears expensive Italian loafers called Spezagamos or Pompancrapos or something like that. I don't know what they're called because I don't listen when he speaks. Anyway, these Spezagamos are slip-on, pebble leather, tassel-crested, crocodile-jawed, abusively manufactured, perfectly ridiculous, and embarrassing shoes. They are meant to look classy, but they only reveal the infinite abyss aside of, inside of him. His car is the same. So that is sad for Bigelow. The point is, I tried to picture these pomp and crapos filled to the brim with Mountain Dew, which also didn't work, but it seemed like progress. So then I imagined a tiny crack owl floating... <laughs> Floating on a tiny raft in Bigelow's shoe, calling for help. Closer still, 
Then I pictured a great white-capped fluorescent yellow wave rolling from tongue to heel and Krakow clinging desperately to the raft until it got so stormy that only a bit more liquid sent him into carbonated demise. I thought about how upset Bigelow would have to be to have his friend drown in his favorite shoe. I thought about the tough questions he would have to answer afterwards from the authorities. That did it. Blessed turbulence, a cataract of relief, the telltale sound of which proudly fizzled to the pink laboratory cake below and washed the dumb smiles right off their faces. They do not follow me into the bathroom anymore, but I still picture them drowning in the shoes filled with soda. Thanks to you, I now look forward to urinating at work. I appreciate you. But a new issue has arisen. I've noticed lately that someone has been taking bites of my sandwich and then returning it to the communal refrigerator. It's very hard to have a pleasant time at lunch when you have to eat around somebody else's smelly bite marks. (laughs) He still eats it. (laughs) To find out who's responsible, I thought I might secretly load my tuna salad with ghost peppers or black fire mustard or the kind of hot sauce where they make you sign a waiver. Then whoever I see sweating and choking at their desk is obviously guilty. My girlfriend Gloria thinks this is a bad idea. What if they have a reaction, she says. What if it kills them? She points out that Krakow has a sensitive colon and a giant red face. Well, then he shouldn't eat my lunch, I say. But she says, still, I might get in trouble. Also, then there would be a horrible death on my conscience. So I suppose this is a legal question as well as an ethical one. I would also like to hear about times when people have eaten parts of your lunch from the communal refrigerator and what you did about it. My basketball question is whether you think this ever happens to the people on the basketball team. And with that, sirs, I remain your servant in most things, Chip Mitchell. What a guy. I think it's Amos. <laughs> I don't. I don't. It's so good. I mean, maybe it is, but I don't think it is. I need to know who this person is. Well, whoever it is, they're doing a great job. Uh, sh- can we do big boards on Sunday? I think we it's have a, to. I think we're it's the last pop time. Before I was the sort of hoping. I don't know. I don't. I, I, it's, it seems like a little bit like going through the motions because I think they're going to yeah. probably trade the pick. But yeah. Almost certainly. Um, that's not going to stop me from having a big board for sure. We should uh, we should get somebody on. I did ask I did ask Danny Chow to come out of retirement to uh, to talk to us, but he said his computer's busted, so he could not do the video format that we. What is now. he on? Is he on? Is he on catfish or something? He's in. He's in. He's in Toronto. He's <laughs> nothing is nothing is uh, fixable over there. Um, but yeah, we should. We should have somebody on and we can talk about we can talk about boards. I, I was I spent a lot of time the other day thinking about Larry Nance because he was on that Zach Lowe yeah. podcast. And I, I think he's great. He would be the perfect backup to Embiid. I would really like him very much if there's a way to procure him. We'll talk to you Sunday with the big boards. Are you down with TTP? Yeah. You no. Like face. If you don't fuck with me, then I I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I will fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, you're gonna fucking kill you! Thanks for playing.